Hey everybody, before we begin, uh, we just want to say that this episode is sponsored by the fine folks over at Loot Crate. Uh, they have assembled the Marvel Gear and Goods Crate to the ultimate Marvel fans. Uh, it features official Marvel items like collectible home goods, apparel, and more every other month. Uh, the next one will include items featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain Marvel, and the Nova Corps, and order by 515 at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use promo code marvelpod to save $3 off your Marvel Gears and Goods subscription today. And now, on to the show. Hey, everybody. We have two very special guests on the show today. Two jam-packed many episodes put into one uh, the first one will be with guy pierce uh, you know him as aldrich killian from iron man 3 uh, he's in a new film called brimstone which also stars dakota fanning kit harrington and carrie von houghton um, we spoke about that film we spoke about his experience on, on iron man 3 so uh, stay tuned for that uh, after that we i spoke with dominic monahan who you know from probably lost you also know him from the Wolverine film where he played Chris Bradley slash Bolt. Uh, he has a new film called Atomica with Tom Sizemore and Sarah Habel. Um, so stay tuned. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, okay, no problem. Um, so I'll ask you a couple Brimstone questions and also a couple Iron Man 3 questions if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm with Marvel.com, by the way, so... Um, that's why I'm asking about that. But um, first off, I mean, your character in this film is just awful in like the best film way possible. Can you kind of <laughs> can you kind of speak on how you? Because you're such a nice, you seem like such a nice guy. How did you just create this character? It's amazing. Well, I mean, essentially, I didn't create the character. It was it was, it was very well written in the script, and um, you know, pretty clear to me you know, how how sort of brutal he should be and how domineering he should be and kind of how narrow-minded and, you know, psychologically uh, limited. Um, and I'm going to say limited, I mean, just in his <clears throat> outlook. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a real... Um, it was a very clear picture in my mind of who this guy was just based on what I read. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was obviously important to, you know, to uh, to work this out with Martin, the director who wrote the film. You know, he had a pretty clear image in his mind about how the character should look. And and uh, that worked very much for, you know, for what I thought as well. And so... So it certainly wasn't like I created him by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, if anything, I mean, you know, it was important to show where the character was, uh, um, what his vulnerabilities were, uh, so that you could see if he was then wrong-footed at all, uh, how he then dealt with that, because I think that was the only way that we were going to show that he was actually a real human being. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just a sort of a monster, you know. Um, even though he behaves really monstrously, I still think if you can see the vulnerability somewhere, 
in a character, then you'll just believe the monstrous behaviour more mm. um, rather than just being like, as I say, like some sort of robot, you know, or, or a monster. Um, this is kind of more of a comment, but I still want to get your take on it. Like, obviously, with this type of character, adding the religion to it just kind of takes it to a whole another level. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know... That that was a very important part of who he was. I mean, I think, I think the, you know, it's interesting when you combine um, psychologically um, damaged people with religion, you know, and you look at how extreme uh, those two sort of aspects can kind of go. You know, characters will use religion. Uh, to justify their own behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is where I think religion is dangerous. You know, if somebody looks at religion and says, this is where I need help, then great. You know, and if someone's able to utilise religion to just be able to get through the day and feel better about themselves, then great. But I think, uh, you know, as we see in this film, you know, him taking religion and enabling sort of bad behaviour is where things can go horribly wrong and, and you know, we, we know factually that, you know, a lot of people uh, will use religion to repress women or repress homosexuality or to kind of justify, you know, um, um, violence. So, you know, it's a dangerous, uh, sensitive kind of area. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to show a, an extreme uh, version of, of how, you know, the use of religion can actually enable somebody to go, you know, to, to great lengths uh, to sort of, uh, as I say, justify their uh, existence and their behaviour. Um, I wanted to ask, too, I mean, obviously you've been in a number of well-respected Western films, like The Proposition. Is this something that you're, a genre you really love, or is it just you just go straight on the scripts you like? Yeah, it's about behaviour for me. It's about sort of you know the, the the character and what they're going through and their psychology and the dynamic between them and other characters in the story. And I'm not necessarily drawn to westerns, you know, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously there's something interesting about putting characters out in the wilderness. Um, but I don't necessarily think it, a, a film requires that necessarily to make an interesting story or to be able to examine um, personality and behaviour. But, you know, it's just that a couple have come my way and, and I've... I mean, a couple have come my way too that I haven't really been moved by because, the, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's about character development or the story doesn't feel original or whatever, but, you know, the proposition and, and this and... I mean, Ravenous is sort of a Western, I suppose, in a way. You know, the funny thing is, when I look at what a Western is, I think of John Wayne and the Wild West and horses and, and uh, you know, a very American kind of um, style. Uh, and funnily enough, the three films that I just mentioned then or that you brought up, you know, were all... None of them were shot in America. They were all directed by... Australian oh, wow. European directors. <laughs> That's amazing. Huh? Um, I want to ask too. I mean, obviously, uh, like I said, I was going to talk Iron Man a little bit. Like your character has a lot of um, issues in that film as well. Are there 
do you see any characteristics between the two characters that are similar or different? Or I mean, obviously they're different, but um, any similarities between the two? Well, I suppose you know the the idea of being um, so maniacal, you know, where y- you, you you a character who's unable to reflect on their own behaviour, and yet they're so driven by you know massive insecurity or um, feeling powerless, and so they have to dominate other people in order to feel like they have a place in the world mm-hmm. I guess those kind of similarities exist um, obviously you know very different kind of scenarios <laughs> the Iron Man world and the, and the Brimstone world but mm-hmm. but I do think there's something about it playing a bad guy who who justifies their own behaviour you know there's, a, there's an insecurity drive there but there's also kind of this massive ego that you know needs to be fuelled mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty fun stuff to play um, if you had, like, looking back, do you have, like, one really great story from working on that film? On Iron Man? Yeah. Wow, oh, look, I mean, Mike's, Mike's, I just think of working with Robert, you know? I mean, he's such a fantastic actor, and and really getting an insight into how brilliant he is, not just as an actor, but, but, but as a person, you know? He... he he, obviously, the guys at Marvel do an incredible job with those films, but he really brings something extra special, I think, you know, and watching him kind of adjust scenes and improve them right there on the day was, was pretty... I mean, it was a little... You know, sometimes I'd be nervous in case dialogue of mine had to change mm-hmm. and I hadn't learnt it. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, watching him on fire and really just kind of elevating everything was pretty spectacular, mm. I have to say. That's great. And I want to ask, too, about the, the cast of Brimstone. I mean, it's between you and Dakota and um, and Kit. That's a pretty great ensemble. Um, what was it like? Well, and Carice Van Houten as well, who, uh, right. you know, who, who was, who was there that people know from Game of Thrones. Mm. What was it like working with, with, with those three? Oh, uh, really great, really great. I mean, Carice and I had a lot of fun, and clearly we've now gone on to become a couple and we've had a baby. So, of you course. know, that, that, that's, that's one thing. But, um, you know, Dakota is a real pro. I mean, so is Kit, you know. Everyone was just there to sort of do really good work. And, you know, it's exciting when you're working on a script that's really powerful and unusual. You see it in everybody, in all the actors and all the crew, everyone going, oh, this is going to be great, you know. So it, it really... Um, it brought the best out in everybody, and Kit wasn't there very long. You know, it was quite a quick job for him. Um, and but Dakota and I had quite a bit to do together. And uh, I'd worked with her about eight years beforehand, and she was, you know, as equally impressive in 2007 as she was in 2015, mm. as far as being mature and just really good at what she does. So. It's always nice to work with people who are professional, and I, I can't stand time being wasted on set. And you know, none of the actors that we worked with were like that at all. They were, they were really great. So it was a great uh, experience. That's awesome. Well, uh, thanks so, so we much. We have about two minutes. Oh, left. oh great. Oh. Well, I have, do have one last one minute. last question. Anything okay. else um, you you have coming out that you'd like to promote that Marvel fans should uh, should check out? Besides Brimstone, obviously. Well, I did a I did a film in November last year in Australia, which uh, which people may be interested in because it's the same director as Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, cool! And it's a film called Flammable Children, 
which, uh, funnily enough, was the first job that I did after we had a baby in August. Um, also funny because Carice, on her show Game of Thrones, uh, has been known to set fire to children as well. <laughs> so, um, whereas this film, Flammable Children, is a comedy and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really great expose into bad seventies parenting. <laughs> and Kylie Minogue and I play a husband and wife, and there's a, uh, a couple of other couples in there as well. So it's a, it should be a pretty funny film. That's awesome. And uh, I also just finished working on. The Catcher was a Spy with Paul Rudd and Paul Giamatti oh, too. Cool. That's, they're actually still filming right now. But So I've got those two um, gigs coming out as well. That's awesome. Well, Guy, thanks so much for taking the time. It's an honor to speak with you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care. Hi, Greg. Hey, how you doing? Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, man, no worries. Uh, so I'm with uh, Marvel. So I, I'll ask a couple questions about Wolverine, if that's all right, and then the rest about uh, the film, if that's cool. It sounds good. Um, I guess first question is, um, obviously, I'm sure you're getting this a lot, but I mean, it's, it, the film tackles renewable energy, which is a very important thing now. Can you kind of discuss uh, a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, what, I think one of the questions that he's asking is, you know, how responsible we can be mm-hmm. uh, about the choices that we make for where we get our energy from. Um, you know, the movie actually starts a little bit ahead of that question because they've already chosen to harness nuclear power. Uh, you know, so the other question, the question arguably comes before that, which is, you know, should we be harnessing those uh, slightly difficult energies? I mean, you know, nuclear power, can, nuclear energy can be very clean when it's, when it's dealt with Corelli, and obviously it's very powerful. Uh, but I've always felt like the sun is, is, is the most amount of energy that, that we're lucky enough to be exposed to. We don't seem to be harnessing it very well. Um, so much of that energy comes down on a, on a minute-by-minute basis that goes wasted, you know. So in terms of the film, uh, excuse me, I think the question is, you know, who's responsible for that? And when things go wrong, who's responsible for cleaning it up and, um, you know, ultimately dying for those choices? Well. Wow. And I, I want to talk about your, your character struggles as well, because it's kind of like you're dealing with a lot. It's it's kind of a meaty role. Uh, kind of touch on that, too, because like you can kind of tell why you become this character, just being so isolated, you know? I'm just kind of fascinated about that. Yeah, and also, my, my, you know, my character's family obviously suffered with the um, right. being exposed to some of the things, you know, that Zilla Sun um, put out, so... He's trekked across the desert. He's obviously physically having some problems, mentally clearly having some issues. And um, he's coming towards the end of his life. There's a desperation in there. Um, he's trying to make a difference when he's, he's also part of the problem. You know? So he's a confused man. Um, and that was, that was more fun to play than anything else, honestly. Like, you know, I don't, I don't tend to take a lot of that angst on it was just giving me the opportunity to, um, to be a bit of a wild card, to be a bit of a jester in the, um, in the film. So I, I could play a little bit more than most people. And uh, on top of all that, it's also a thriller starring Tom Sizemore, which is like, it's got, you mm-hmm. know, important issues, and then it's, uh, you know, it's just like a, a it's, it's fun kind of 
action e-film. Talk a little on that, working with Tom and having such a small, I guess a small cast to, to work with. Yeah, there's only three, three people in the cast, so it really played like a play. I think theater is my favorite, my most enjoyable medium to work in as an actor, but it's been a long time since I've done a play. Mm-hmm. Something that I've been asking my agents to explore for me to get back into in, uh, in England or in New York, possibly, um, because I get a huge amount out of it. I think most actors get a huge amount out of theatre. It's, it's an all-over-body experience as opposed to, you know, it feels like when you're making a TV show, you're kind of telling the story with your face, and when you're making a movie, you tell the story with your eyes, but when you're doing a play, it's everything. It's, it's your entire body, and that's quite exhilarating. You know? but, um, so, you know, the three of us together, three-handed, felt very much like a play. It read like a play. We, we rehearsed and shot it like a play. Looking at Tom was great. I mean, you know, the guy has had a, an extremely long career, and he's a fine actor, and uh, I think, you know, you can learn lessons from any actors at any level, whether they're good, intermediate, or bad. You're still learning lessons from them because we're all on different journeys. But, you know, you can gain knowledge from everywhere. So with, with uh, Tom, you know, I, I grilled him about certain people that he'd worked with over the years. I'm a huge De Niro fan. We talked about De Niro a lot. We talked about Pacino, Jack Nicholson. You know, he was he was prepared and um, he was present in the scenes and he brought um, a great intensity and uh, I love looking at him. And just kind of touching on the play thing, like I kind of watching it, I kind of felt that same way. Is there ever a possibility for maybe adapting it to the stage? Because I haven't really seen any sci-fi type plays before and that would be kind of amazing um I think you're asking uh like am I am I going to do a play anytime soon or do adapting this as a play oh yeah yeah you can adapt this as a play for sure I don't know if there's any plans to do that but it could it would certainly play as a play because it's such a um such a confined environment you know um I that's something probably to ask the writer Dagen but um yeah, I mean, I'd be really interested in something like that. Um, so let me ask you a couple of questions about uh, Wolverine. Do you have any fun stories you'd like to share with uh, the Marvel fans from making that film? Um, yeah, it was just a pleasure to work on those films. You know, I mean, obviously, I'd watched X-Men. Uh, the Fountain was one of my favorite films for a long time. So I was able to tell Hugh Jackman that when I finally got a chance to work with him, you know, hung out with Will I Am and spent a lot of time with Ryan Reynolds who's a lovely guy very friendly and, and very cool I liked him a lot mm-hmm. and um, it was great fun I mean it was great to see Hugh do his thing I mean he was a beast you know he's a tank and incredible physique and, and uh, you know brilliant in the scenes and uh, behaved like a, a champion and uh, I just I just really liked it it was uh, a, a great treat to be involved in that world you know um, I, I always ask this question too, and it's it's it can be a deeper question than it sounds. But if your character in the film, in this film, Atomica had a superpower, what would it be? And if Dominic had a superpower, what would it be? Well, the superpower that I always wanted was to turn into anything. Oh, okay. Because everyone, everyone, everyone picks a um, specific superpower, like being able to fly mm-hmm. or being invisible or. You know, be super tiny or something like that. But if you can turn into anything, then you have an infinite amount of superpowers because you just pick the thing that you want to turn into that has that particular 
to to mm. see trust. So everyone, t- everyone tells me that's cheap, but I don't think that's cheap. <laughs> You've chosen one superpower and it's turned into anything, you know. Um, in terms of Robinson, in terms of the character that's way in the Sonica, I think he'd probably like to turn back the clock, you mm. know, go back in time, make better decisions because he's found himself at a point where he's made some pretty poor decisions and now he's paying for that's amazing. Um, my, my last question: Anything else you want to uh, to sh- tell the fans coming out besides Atomica that you'd like to promote? No, not really, man. Um, I mean, I, you know, if there's anyone in England reading this, I did a movie called Pet, which has just become available on Blu-ray uh, in most supermarkets, and it's something that you can now watch on iTunes. Both Pet and Atomica were two relatively small films that have just recently come out that um, probably are a little harder to find than than your average Marvel film, but mm-hmm. worth worth looking for. You know, I'm really I'm really happy with the final results, and um, we should go we should go hunting down. Well, cool. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you talking to me. Of course, man. Nice talking. Take care. Yeah. Bye. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. As always, uh, make sure to catch Guy Pearce and Brimstone and Dominic Moynihan and Atomica. And once again, thanks for listening. This is Marvel, your universe.